Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight, I've got a message for you that I believe that will encourage you. In fact, the title of tonight's message is Getting Up in a Down Time. Getting Up in a Down Time. Recently, we've seen a spike in things like depression, abuse, suicide, alcohol, even, uh, you know, in our, in our nation, many places have deemed that cannabis dispensaries are essential. And I'm thinking, my goodness, these things are being called essential. And people without the Lord are turning to the wrong things. But I've also noticed that even in our prayer requests here at The Rock, that we've seen a spike in things like anxiety, depression, worry, fear. Many people staying at home, staying in, not knowing when this thing is going to be over without any hope, have gotten down. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe it hasn't been all the time, but maybe there's been some times that you're sitting there alone in your room. Maybe the whole family's there, but you're alone, and you just have that, that feeling of sinking, that feeling of being low, that feeling of being down. All of us will experience up times in life as well as down times in life. But during this time of stay-at-home orders and during this time, we're seeing a lot more down. And I just believe that God wants us to be up. God wants to lift us. The Bible says, Thou, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. God wants to encourage you. God wants to build you up. God wants to strengthen you. And if anything tonight, if you get anything out of this message, hopefully you just get a deep breath of the fresh air and the fresh presence of God that lifts you and encourages you, gives you faith and hope and the love of God that leads you on and moves you forward. I heard the story of a man, he was uh, traveling and he came upon another man and he was laying down on the ground in the road. He had his ear to the ground. And so as he came up, he saw this man laying down on the ground with his ear to the ground, and he looked at him. The man was saying something. He was whispering, and he he got real close, and he listened to what the man had to say. And the man, as he was whispering, said, a large Ford truck. It was blue. White male driver. He's probably about a mile away from me. The man was amazed. He said, wow, that is amazing. You can tell all that just by listening to the ground? The man on the ground said, no, the guy ran me over just about 15 minutes ago. He's probably about a mile away by now. See, here's the thing. There's going to be things that knock us down. There's going to be things that will take us down at times. And, And we need to be lifted up. We need to be asking the right questions. Not can you tell all that by listening to the ground. No, are you okay would have been the right question in that instance. Well, what are you doing on the ground would have been a great question. And throughout the Bible, there are questions that God asks that I believe are meant to lift us, to locate us, to find out where we're at, and to bring us to where we need to be. And so tonight, I'm going to give you five questions, five quick questions, that if you're feeling low, if you're feeling down, maybe you feel like you got knocked down by a truck, just like the man in our story a moment ago. Tonight, I believe that these questions will lift you and will encourage you. We need to ask the God questions. Like I said, there are five questions in the Bible. We need to ask the God questions because God often asks these questions. And how many of you know that God never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to? God is not asking these questions for his benefit. Oh, no, God is asking these questions for our benefit. And these questions will lead us to the answers that God wants us to 
to have. You know, growing up, I have uh, an experience with my father. My, my father is a great man. He's gone on to be with Jesus recently, and I, I'm just grateful to have had a good dad that disciplined me and my brother, that loved us. But my dad was different than maybe some of your dads. My dad wasn't the yell and scream type of dad, you know? He wasn't the, the expressive type of dad in that way, in that sense. Oftentimes, what would happen was that my dad, when he would come home and he would hear that we were doing the wrong thing, he would call us into the garage. The garage was like his office, oftentimes because he was smoking a cigarette out there before he quit. And so throughout our teenage years, we knew that if we got called into the office, we were going to have a serious talk with the CEO, you know, is, is my dad. And so here we are, and we would walk out into the office, and there was this cloud of smoke. As you opened up the garage door, you could see that cloud of smoke kind of lift and kind of move. And so you'd have to kind of walk through the blanket of smoke to find my dad there sitting there. And he was usually tinkering with like a ham radio or a computer, most of the time a computer, for any of those of you that knew him. And, uh, and it was just like you would just be walking in, and you knew what was going to happen. Because he did this all the time. He wouldn't yell. He wouldn't scream. He wouldn't tell you straight out what you needed to know or what you needed to do. He would start asking questions. So did you have a good day today? Uh, it was okay until mom started telling me to take out the trash when I was watching a show. And I was like, what? I can do that later. And she's like, no, you're going to do that now. And my dad would say, is that the right attitude to have? Well, yeah, because I was watching a show, dad. Is the show more important than doing what your mom asked you to do? Well, I guess not. So if you would have just gone and did what your mom asked you to do quickly, you could have been back watching your show, couldn't you? I guess. And, and you wouldn't have been in trouble, right? I guess, right? As teenagers often do. But what my dad would do is he would lead us to the point just by asking questions. I believe that God is a good father. And that God oftentimes will ask these questions to get us to think. You know, God gave you a brain for a reason. God gave you that intellect and that will and that understanding for a reason. God wants you to ask these questions of yourself if you're feeling low, feeling in a downtime. Now, listen, my example was about discipline, but God's not mad at you. God loves you, and God will lead you. Now, that doesn't mean God approves of sin, and we're going to see that in a moment with our first question, because the first question of asking the God questions is this, is where are you? Where are you? If you're down, if you're in a low time, where are you? God asked this question in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 9. Right off the bat, when Adam sins, now Adam willfully sinned, right? Eve partook of the fruit. She was deceived. She gave to her husband Adam who was with her. Adam willfully rebelled and went into sin. And God comes walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And God asked this question in Genesis chapter number three, verse number nine. Look at it. It says, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? See, God wasn't playing hide and seek and didn't know where Adam and Eve were. Adam responds, I was afraid and so I hid. And God says, who told you you were naked? In other words, Adam, you're in a bad place. Sin is the wrong place to be. And oftentimes when we feel low, when we feel down, when we feel discouraged, there is a temptation to go to the wrong thing, to fulfill the need that's on the inside of us. Many times our flesh will lead us to go to the temptation and to the sin, to those things that beset us before Christ or even after we got saved. The, those fleshly desires, those carnal things that we know that we should not be dabbling in. And God is saying, if you're down right now, where are you? Are you in sin? 
Are you going to the wrong thing? Are you playing around the mud hole? Because those who play around the mud hole eventually will fall in. Are you dabbling in things that you've been delivered of? God is saying, where are you? Ask yourself that question. Am I going to the wrong thing to fulfill my needs? Am I going to a bottle or to a drug? Am I going to an ex or a relationship that isn't healthy? Am I going to the internet or to gossip? Am I going to food even? You know, these things can be strongholds in our lives. And if we're not going to God, if we're not holding to his word, then we're in the wrong place. See, God asked that question, and God is saying that if you're not in the right, in his righteousness, then you're in wrongness. You're in the wrong place. And you need to repent of your sin. And that's the wonderful thing about God, that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough for our sin. The Bible says there's no other sacrifice that's, good, that's going to be given for us if we continue in sin. We have to come and submit ourselves to that sacrifice, to that blood. We need to repent. Repentance means I was going this way. I realized I was wrong. I had a total change in my mind, and I turned my direction, and I turned from the way of the sin, and I went back God's way. That's what repentance is. And if you're in sin, can I tell you something? You need to repent. You need to stop. You need to realize I'm going the wrong direction. Where are you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not in God's righteousness. I'm not doing his right ways, and I need to turn, and I need to come back to God. You know, Adam and Eve had tried to cover themselves. They tried to cover their own sin, and God said, that's not going to do. And God gave them new coverings. See, God is the one who gives us Jesus Christ. He is the sacrifice for our sins. And he says that when we come and when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But not only forgive us, but also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where are you? Second question is this, is why are you here? Why are you here? If you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse number 9, we find that the prophet Elijah, the great prophet who had declared a drought in the land, this great prophet who declared that it would rain on the land, went up to Mount Carmel and had the defeat of the prophets of Baal, this great prophet who cried out to the Lord and prayed and seven times, man, all of a sudden this cloud comes out of the sky the size of a man's hand and then all of a sudden starts pouring down rain. The Spirit of God comes on him and he outruns a chariot. This is that same great prophet. Here he is, and one threat from the king's wife named Jezebel. And all of a sudden, he's running for his life. He flees, and he comes to a place where he's down and he's discouraged. And supernaturally, God feeds him, and he goes on to the mountain of God. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter number 19, verse number 9, look at what it says. And there he went into a cave, and he spent the night there. In that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Maybe you have kind of regressed, and maybe you've gone backwards. Maybe when it was all open and everything was out, you were going out and you were making progress, and now all of a sudden you feel like you have recessed into a cave. Some of you guys, maybe your house is a literal picture of that. You've drawn the curtains, you've turned out the lights, and you're sitting there with just the glow of a little screen in your hand. And God is saying, what are you doing here? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you defeated all because of the threat that's out there? See, God is saying something to all of us. We need to realize and remember the past victories that God has brought us through, even the recent victories that God has brought us through. Because why are you here is what God asked him when you should have been up on the mountain saying, hey, I'm right here. Why? Because if God can 
Bring fire out of the heavens to consume his sacrifice. And if God can send rain on the earth at the prayer of this man, then don't you think that God could protect him if he was out there in the open? Don't you know that God can protect you anywhere you go? Why are you here? Why are you down? Why are you discouraged? Which brings us to the next thing, is why be depressed? This is a great question in the Bible, and in fact, in the Psalms, the psalmist is asking this question of himself. But see, I believe that all Scripture, like the Bible says, is God-breathed, and so this is really a God question, even though the psalmist is the one asking the question in the verses we're going to look at. Psalm 45 and verse number 5, it says this, So then, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God. Other translations say, put your trust in God, your Savior. For no matter what, I will still sing with praise, for living before his face is my saving grace. See, God wants each and every one of us to ask ourselves these questions. Why are you here? And why be depressed? Why be discouraged? Why be low? Why be down? When we've got a God who's higher than the heavens, when we've got a God who is exalted, when we've got a God who has been raised up and now Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession on our behalf, why be down? Why be discouraged? Why be depressed when there are up things in our lives? It's funny because earlier today I got a, a, a phone call and a text message from one of our pastors and, and he had told me, he said, hey, Pastor, I, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm headed into urgent care. I, I did some damage to my foot earlier, and I don't know what I did, but, man, it's swollen, and it's, it's just I've, I've got, uh, you know, no ability to walk around, that sort of a thing. And so I'm going into urgent care. Please pray, and I'll let you know what happens. And so I was like, oh, man, that's terrible. You know, tell me when, when you get the news what's going on. I'll be praying. And so I was praying for him and believing God. And I get this text message right before church tonight. And it says, praise God, it's a sprain. Now, I never thought that I would receive anybody texting me saying, praise God for a sprained ankle. But the reason why he was praising God for the sprained ankle is because it wasn't a break. You understand? And, and see, here's my thought with that is why be down and discouraged? Why not find the good of what God is doing in the midst of these things? Hey, praise God we have breath in our lungs. Praise God we've got our families around us. Praise God we've got the opportunity to connect with our children, those of us that have children at home. Praise God that we have these special moments of time with them. Praise God for a great weather outside that we can still walk and we can still run and we can still do the things that we can do. Praise God the word of God is still going forth on the earth. Why be depressed? Why be down? Why be discouraged? Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope and your trust in God. Somebody ought to say amen at home if you haven't already. Next question is this, and we find this in the book of Jonah, chapter number four and verse number nine. The next God question that we need to ask ourselves is this, is it right for you to be angry? You know, Jonah had run from the word of the Lord, he had run from the purposes that God had for him. God knew that there was a city that needed to hear the word of God. He knew that there was a people that needed to repent of their sin. And he chose this prophet by the name of Jonah. Now, many of you guys probably heard the story of Jonah growing up. Even if you weren't in church, you probably heard about a man who was tossed into the ocean and was swallowed by a great fish. This man, Jonah, was delivered to the shores of Nineveh. In that whale's belly, he repented and he acknowledged that God was his salvation and that he would do what God had called him to do. 
And so the whale spits him out on the shores of Nineveh, and he goes to the city, and he preaches to them the message that God gave him, that God would destroy that city. And all the way up to the king, the people repent in sackcloth and ashes on their heads. They even made the animals have mourning. They didn't let anybody eat. They declared a fast, and they repented before God, and God took notice of their hearts, and God relented of the calamity that he was going to bring on the city. And so Jonah is like a big baby. He marches up onto this hill, and he sits down watching to see whether or not God was going to take the city out or not. And God causes a plant to grow up next to him. You find this in Jonah chapter number four, and the plant covers Jonah's head, and he feels nice and cool underneath the plant. In fact, Jonah starts to be happy. He starts to delight in this plant. Well, don't you know that God had a plan, and God was speaking something to Jonah through this plant, and God causes a little worm to eat the stalk of that plant away, and the plant withers and dies, and the heat of the sun beats down on Jonah's face. And Jonah is just angry. He's just livid. He's all mad about the plant, and finally he says, God, it'd be better for you just to kill me here and now than for me to live like this. And God asks him the question in Jonah chapter 4, verse number 9. Jonah chapter 4, verse number 9. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Now, Jonah's response was a big baby response, if you will. He said, it's right for me to be angry, even to death. And God goes on in the next couple of verses, and he says, it's not right, Jonah. It's not right for you to be mad about the plant which you didn't cause to grow, which you didn't do anything for. But don't you think that this city, Nineveh, with all of the hundreds of thousands of innocent people who don't know their right hand from their left, they don't know right and wrong, and as well, many livestock and many animals, don't you think that they should be saved? Don't you think that I love them, Jonah? Don't you think that I want to take care of them? Don't you think that I've got plans for them and I've got good things for them? Jonah, it's not right for you to be angry about the plant. In other words, God knew the answer to the question he was asking. He was telling Jonah, Jonah, you're in the wrong place. It's not right for you to be downcast. Why be depressed about this? Is it right for you to be angry? Now, there are things that are right for us to be angry about. The Bible says that we should be angry uh, over sin, that we should be angry over injustice. There are things, when things are out of place, that it is right for us to be angry. And so as you ask yourself that question in a low time, you might find that there are things that you say, you know what, it is right for me to be angry about this. Let that anger the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Let that anger move you towards God's righteous cause behind that anger. You'll find that there were men and women throughout the Bible that as the Spirit of God came upon them, that they were moved to be angry about something, and then they went and they did something about it. For instance, if your kids are, are messing around in sin and you get angry about that, and you go and you discipline them lovingly, not beat them, not, not, not be cruel to them. No, lovingly discipline them. Confront and talk about the issues and discipline appropriately. Then that is a righteous anger carried out righteously. Be angry and do not sin. See, these are the things that we need to understand from the word of God. Is it right for you to be angry? If not, then listen, get in line with the purpose and the will of God. If it's not right for us to be angry, then we need to start to see things God's way and from his perspective. God cares about us but guess what else God cares about? He cares about what he's doing on the earth. He cares about people. He cares about the salvation of the nations. God cares about people that are lost and dying and that are going to hell. And in these instances, we need not be angry. We need to calm ourselves down and to submit ourselves to the will and to the plan of God. 
If it's something that we look at and we say, well, why is that going on? What's happening here? And God says, is it right for you to be angry? Last question is this. Last question of this, and if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter number four in the Gospels now, we're launching into the New Testament. Jesus asked this question of his disciples, and he says this, why are you afraid and have no faith? Last question for all of us tonight, Mark chapter four, verse number 40. Jesus has just had a full day of teaching. He's been speaking the word of God to the people in parables been teaching them. In fact, there were so many people that Jesus had to be put in a little boat and launched out a little bit from shore so that the people wouldn't crush him. The Bible says that there were so many miracles taking place that in Jesus' meetings, the people were thronging him to touch him. So Jesus actually had to have a safety plan in place that, hey, if there's too many people coming around, guys, I need a little boat by that I can just jump into. I can sit down. You can launch me a little ways out from the shore so that I can continue to teach the people. So all day long, the people have heard the word of God. Previous to this, they've seen the miracles. They've seen the signs, and they've seen the wonders. And now Jesus tells his disciples at night, let's go to the other side. It's the commandment of God. And as they travel, a storm comes up, and the disciples are afraid and fearful, and Jesus gets up, and he rebukes the storm. He speaks, peace to it, be still, and it stops. And they say, who is this? And they're afraid. And in Mark chapter 4, verse number 40, look at what it says. It says, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why would Jesus ask that question at that moment? Think about it for a second. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the book of Romans tells us, right? They had heard all day the word of God. So Jesus is saying, how is it? After a full day of hearing the word of God, that you still don't have any faith, guys. And how is it that you're so fearful that after you've seen miracles and signs and wonders taking place in our meetings, you've seen everybody coming that touches me get healed, and I'm in the boat with you guys. How is it that if I'm with you and you've heard the word of God, that you are afraid and have no faith? And if you're down right now, let me ask you this question. How many messages have you heard this week? How many Bible studies have you done this week? How much encouraging scriptures have been sent through your phone, through your social media feeds, online, on your television? How much word have you gotten this week? If you've gotten a lot and yet you're still fearful, ask yourself that question. How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you're so fearful? Has God ever done anything in your life? See, we need to reach back sometimes into our bag of things that God has placed in our lives. We need to reach back into our memories. We need to reach back into those victories that God has won on our behalf. Has God ever healed somebody? Has God ever touched somebody? Has God ever given you a word? Has God ever given you an encouragement? Have you ever been reading your Bible and the scripture left off the page and slapped you across the face? And man, that was for me right now. Has God ever refreshed you? Has God ever encouraged you? Has God saved you? Has God delivered you? Has God loved you? Did Jesus go to the cross and die for you? Come on. Did God do anything on your behalf? Did God give you the breath in your lungs? Did God wake you up this morning? Did God sustain you? Did God provide for you? Did God protect you? What has God done in your life? So you need to reach back and you need to get a hold of those things because in the middle of this time, in the middle of a crisis, God is saying, how is it that you can be afraid when you know what I've done? 
And how is it when we've got so much word available to us that we still have no faith? See, we need to get a hold of this word. We need to get a hold of the will and the acts that God has done in our lives. We need to build ourselves up and believe God. I got one last scripture for you guys tonight. Really, I want to bring this scripture to you because we need to answer this question. How do we get up? Because once we've identified where we're at and where we need to be with these questions that God brings to us, then we need to know how to get up. God is for us. He's not against us. God is on our side. Listen, God is not looking at you saying, oh my goodness, you're down. You're such a disappointment to me. No, God is there smiling at you, encouraging you, loving you, saying, come on, child, get up. Come on, let's, let's stand up. Come on, let's go. There's still so much to do. There's still so much more. God is wanting to encourage you. Remember, thou, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. God is sitting there lovingly placing his hand under your chin and lifting you up with the light of his countenance and his presence. God is with you right now. You may be alone watching this online. You might have thought that you were just by yourself, but listen, the presence of God is with you right now, right where you're at. How do we get up? James chapter 4. I'm going to read verse number 6 down through verse number 10. James James is, you know, this guy doesn't pull any punches. He's in your face. He, he's just an amazing, amazing man of God, and he's writing to the churches. Here in James chapter number 4, with his potent words, he just comes right at the issue. James chapter 4, verse number 6, like I said, I'm going to read down through verse number 10. It says, but he gives more grace. God gives more grace. What is grace? It's God's ability. It's the power of God in me to do what his truth demands of me. It's God's sovereign, divine ability to get the job done on my behalf when I can't do it. Listen, guys, we can't go through this stuff alone. We can't go through this stuff without God. We need God, and we need his ability on our behalf. We could not save ourselves, and guess what else? We can't sustain ourselves. We can't continue on without the presence and the power of God in our lives, and that's why it says he gives more grace. Look at this. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God gives the ability that he has, his power, his strength to those that are humble. What is humble? What is, what is humility? Is it just thinking like I'm a worm, I'm terrible, I'm down, I'm depressed, and then God gives you grace? No. Humility is utter dependence on God alone. It's when you've just got to have God. When, when if God's not in it, man, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. It's destined to fail without God if he's not in this. I've got to have God. That is humility. That is utter dependence on God. God resists the proud. See, if you're sitting there saying, I've got this. I can, I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I, I can do it on my own. God is saying, Wait, you can have your way, but you're not getting my, my power. You're not getting my ability. In fact, God will actually oppose you on that road because he knows that that path leads to destruction. That was the same trap that the devil landed in. Now God doesn't want to see you in that, so he resists the proud. But look at he gives grace, ability to the humble, to the people that say, God, I need you. God, I'm dependent on you. God, I want you to lift me up. God, I want you to encourage me. God, I want you to bless me. God, I, I got to have your presence. Look what it says in verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Some of you guys have been letting the devil knock you around, mess you up. You, you feel like you've been that guy that was laying on the ground, right, and got knocked over by a truck. But God is saying, if you will submit to me, if you will humble yourself, depend on me, submit to me. Say, God, your will, your way. I'm not going to mess around in sin. I'm going to find out where I'm at. Why am I here, God? I don't know, God. Help me to get out of here. 
Why be depressed? Why be discouraged? I'm going to put my hope and my trust in God. Is it right for me to be angry? Well, God, if it's not, then Lord, reveal it to me and I'll change, God. And why are you so fearful and have no faith? God, help me in my unbelief. If you will submit to God, look at this, resist the devil. Don't give in to his schemes. Don't give in to the ploys of the devil. You resist. You stand firm on the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, take your stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Resist the devil. Look at this. And he will flee from you. If you are submitted to God and resisting the devil, then the devil is going to run scared from your life. You have more authority, more power, more ability in you because of Jesus Christ than that devil has. Goes on the next verse. Look at this. Verse number 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Take the first step. Sometimes the way up is just by simply saying, God, I need you. God, would you be close? Sometimes you can't even get a word out other than just one word and just say, God, man, the moment that your heart starts to turn towards God, God is right there waiting for you. The moment you take that first step towards God, you may have taken a thousand away, but it just takes one to get back to him because as you draw near to God, the Bible says he will draw near to you. Look at this. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. You, you thought that the COVID-19 restrictions said to wash your hands too much. Listen, God is saying not just 30 seconds, all right? You, you need to cleanse your hands, you sinners. If you've been in that wrong place, if God's asking you the question and saying, where are you? And you're in the wrong place, you're in sin, then guess what? Cleanse your hands. Like we talked about, repent. Turn from that sin and turn to God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Listen, you can't be depressed and discouraged and then say, well, I'm encouraged by God, but, but you know, I'm really down and depressed, but I, but I love God and, and, and I want to be encouraged. Listen, set your mind fully on the hope that is to be revealed in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You set your mind. You put yourself in a position, not being double-minded. Can't be worldly-minded and heavenly-minded. No, be spiritually-minded. Lock in with your mind and your spirit into the things of God and live your life out in the spirit Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse number nine, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Pastor, I thought this was an uplifting message. What are you doing reading that verse to me? You just told me not to be down. But why would the author, why would James write this? Look at the next verse. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. In other words, if life's got you down, That's one thing. But if you submit yourself and you put yourself under the care of God and and you lament, mourn, and weep in your spirit, I'm not going to go back to sin. that's, That's atrocious. I hate that. God, I hate what you hate. And God, I love what you love. And if you will put yourself under the mighty hand of God, look at this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will get a hold of your life and he himself will lift you up. That's what this is all about. Not just disfiguring your face or having an outward appearance. No, having a heart that says, God, I'm here. I'm dependent on you. I'm submitted to you, God. I'm not going to laugh in what the world laughs at. I'm not going to play around in those games. I'm not going to delight in this displeasure. You know, there are some people that when you talk to them, it's almost like they have an Eeyore spirit on them. How are you doing? Well, you know. God is saying, no, lament and mourn and weep. I'm not going to have that spirit. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You don't have to battle those things. You can submit yourself to God, and God will get a hold of your life, and he himself will lift you up. I'd love to pray for you right now. 
If you would, right there in your homes, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And let's pray together tonight. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We receive it with meekness. God, the implanted word which is able to save our souls. God, I know that there are many that are at home, God, and have been home. Lord, it's been months. Hasn't been interactions, God. Maybe they were hoping someone was going to call them on the phone. Maybe they were hoping that things would open up quicker. Maybe they were hoping for a business venture that didn't pan out in a pandemic. God, there are many things that can discourage us. Loss of relationships. Loss of income. Loss of sanity and stability. Loss of what we consider to be our freedoms. Father God, I pray, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, that right where the people are at that are down, God, that as their hearts turn to you, as they start to draw near tonight at that word, where they heard that word of encouragement, God, that you would draw near to them. Father, I pray you manifest your presence in their lives right now. Oh, Father God, I pray just for an overwhelming sense of your spirit right there with them in the room. Holy Spirit, stand by them. Encourage your people, God. Would you speak blessing, wisdom, God, right now over their lives? Holy Spirit, remind them of your word. God, I pray for a a, a rhema word. I pray for a now word to be quickened in their spirits right now in the name of Jesus. Your spirit would just minister. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Those of you that are home as you're praying, would you just take a moment and just pray? If you haven't already got a word from the Lord, would you just ask God? Say, God, speak. Your servant's listening. Let him speak to you wherever you're at right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If God gave you a word, would you write it down? I know if I don't write stuff down, I forget. And I don't want you to forget. Maybe it's a scripture reference. Maybe it's one word that he just quickened your spirit. Love. Peace. Whatever it is, write down what God has given you. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.